Are you going through the work environment and your personal life uh, just day by day? Or do you want to leave a lasting legacy? And is that legacy tied to your bank balance? Or is that legacy tied to how many people's lives have you touched in a positive way? The importance of family. You know, uh, in today's environment, so many people just tend to forget that at the end of the day, a lot of things that you're doing are really, you know, on behalf of your family, you know, and how do we make sure that we don't forget that? Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, this week we have a bank executive, which we've never had before on the show, who is responsible for business over one and a half billion dollars that he has done over his lifetime in his deals. Now, his beginning or his growing up was not even close to that, and I'm not going to disclose that until we sort of get into the show and you can hear his story and say, wow, where did he come from to be able to get in this position? However, we discuss this importance that a lot of times we're losing our humanity, meaning we're into social media, we're into connection, there's this sort of, I'll call it movie-driven greed uh, format, and he's really trying to develop organizations that are opposite, that are values-driven, who are focused on others, focused on service, focused on humility. And in that, you know, one of the things we like to do at CRG is to really help equip people to play to their strengths, to realize how they can serve others. And there's no better way to be able to energize yourself than to know what your values are and then to design a life that is playing to your strengths. And so we have our brand new e-course, What Do You Really Value?, which uses our values preference indicator. And it links back to what uh, our guest, Andrew Samuel, is talking about. And he's also author of the book, our American dream, cultivating a life of success, joy, and purpose. So think about that e-course and how it can serve you and to serve others and how it can transform you. I mean, one of our goals is that we want to continue to develop our self-awareness, our consciousness, so that we can make intentional decisions that move us in the direction that we want to go, not the opposite. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please pass it on, share it. Uh, leave a positive comment on whatever platform you are listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. Here's our guest, Andrew Samuel. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's guest is unique because we haven't had a bank executive, in fact, somebody who founded a bank on the show before, but we'll get into those details in a moment. But he also wants to talk to us today about his new book, Our American Dream, or if you're not from America, you're Canadian, you're UK, your global dream, cultivating a life of success, joy, and purpose. Welcome to the show, Andrew Samuel. Andrew, thanks for being on the show. You're welcome, Ken. It's nice to be with everyone. <laughs> well, Andrew, I mean, you have an extremely unique story, and I think people will want to hear that. But before I get into your background, because I, I think where you come from in your story that you have in your bio about what you lived in when you first were younger, that'll be very curious. So we're going to leave that as a curiosity piece. But sure. before we before we get into that, how does somebody start a bank? Like, 
you know, nobody can go around the street and all of a sudden, well, I'm just starting a bank. I mean, yeah. how does this happen and for what purpose? So, yeah. first of all, what is Linked Bank anyways? Yeah, so Linked Bank is, is a commercial bank headquartered in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the USA, and um, um, we are a commercial bank that uh, caters to business clients primarily, and uh, the way we went putting this together, I've been involved in probably about a dozen banks. Uh, you know, I've started banks, I've merged banks, I've grown banks and sold banks, done mergers of equals, etc. And uh, it's all about relationships, you know, and we have a group of investors and employees and we've always stuck together. And, uh, you know, when we put LinkBank together, we had three primary uh, reasons why we were doing it. Uh, you know, one was uh, to develop the next generation of leaders in banking. Um, we felt there weren't enough young bankers being developed for future leadership roles. And uh, so, you know, 90% of our employees are under 40 at LinkBank, so we're really pouring into the next generation. Second thing was to build a bank that contributes to the betterment of our community. And so a percentage of our profits actually goes back into the community in the form of contributions to the Link Foundation, which um, identifies the, the most important needs in our community and allocates funds and human resources to that. And, and the third component was to develop the next generation of transformational technology to serve community banks. What people forget is that community banks are the, really the, the drivers of our economy because they lend to small businesses who in turn are the ones who create jobs which drive the economy, you know. And so we believe that community banking is critical to the success of our national and global economy. And we want to make sure that we have technology that we can provide to community banks that can use them to benefit their communities. But those were the three reasons we really created the, uh, the company. Uh, the, those were clearly a purpose behind those three things. And you'll notice we didn't talk about making money because we think that, you know, if our purpose is to do the three things that I identified, we will make lots of money, you know. So. Mm. Well, okay. it's interesting. I find it interesting, Andrew, that you, one of your objectives mm -hmm. is now, is your bank just virtual or do you have brick-and-mortar no. locations? Or? Combination. We're digital and we have brick-and-mortar. Okay. So when we think about that, how is it that a bank gets created for the purpose of developing leadership within the banking world. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. help, us, help us sort of bridge that, you know, because this show is about leadership mm -hmm. in some form or another. Right. How, uh, how does that become part of a purpose statement for a financial institution? Absolutely. You know, so, you know, the banks, uh, as I said earlier, I've been involved with about a dozen banks in uh, leadership capacity, and um, um, a lot of those banks had a very common mission statement, you know, and that mission statement was and is today at Link Bank is to positively impact people's lives. We believe that if we impact people positively, the bank is going to be very profitable and grow successfully, you know. But that means to impact people's lives positively, 
you've got to have certain values that differentiate you from the average bank. Values of integrity, honesty, doing the right thing, a fun place to be, energetic, passionate, committed employees that have a purpose beyond just making money. And so, you know, I felt like after 36 years in the business, when I started looking around to see who are the next generation of leaders who believe in those values, uh, there were fewer and fewer. And mm -hmm. so I went to our investor group as well as um, our employee group and just said, listen, I'm happy to do another bank, but it's got to have these three fundamental things driving it. And one of those was the next generation of leaders because I said to them, look, we know how to make money in banking, but if that's all we're doing, I'm not interested in that. But if we're helping develop uh, the next generation of leaders run community banks, the next generation of transformational technology to help community banks, then I'm interested in doing that and at the same time making money for our shareholders at Link Bank. Mm -hmm. So we went out there, we raised uh, uh, capital from people that we know, friends and family. Uh, we put the capital together. We uh, uh, found a small bank and we acquired that bank and redid the policies, procedures, and got regulatory approval from the Federal Reserve and the State Department of Banking and the FDIC uh, to open that bank here with three branches uh, in the northeast part of the uh, U.S. Cool, cool. Well, if we think about it, Andrew, and I will mention this, and I because this is my podcast, I can actually mm -hmm. name names. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it, it's a rarity. If we go back to 2008, mm -hmm. some of the value systems that drove, you know, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and just the disaster, that certainly mm -hmm. wasn't embracing the values you're trying to teach here. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, because it's not just banking, but frankly, one of the things, Ken, is the companies, the banks that I've been associated with, uh, you know, doesn't matter how small or how large, the, 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 it was always, you know, we grow the company to a point where we ultimately take it public and list it on, you know, the NASDAQ global market, et cetera. And what I've found is more and more people are like, well, we need leaders that have convictions and values uh, um, in our business community, even with public companies, you know. So, so my mantra has always been to say, listen, you can be a public company, do things, have greater purpose, and still take care of your shareholders, you know. And so that's kind of what we try to do here at LinkBank. One other name that I'll mention, Andrew, is we were clients of HSBC for 25 years, and they sent us a letter and said, oh, by the way, you're not big enough to continue to be a client. So we, we are canceling a 25-year account with us, and they also never had any, brand, any managers, anybody we could talk to. We went to a call center to deal with any of our banking, no relationships whatsoever. So yeah. don't get me on to this whole thing. And I, part of that happened after their... A little episode or incident in the UK yeah. where they were right. trying a billion dollars for their uh, misappropriation and incorrect right. use of funds. So that being said, I want to I want to back up, Andrew. So thank you for that, and really trying to bring sort of values where you honor people, where you're developing leaders within the context, and that's an important for us. Is when you think about this industry, and I want to apply this to everybody listening. Right. 
do you sometimes not have an uphill battle because this is so counterculture? I mean, you, you see the movies, The Wolf of Wall Street, you see all these yep. people sort of embracing this sort of pathetic, corrupt mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What keeps you going to drive and develop something like this that has some honor with it and some credibility with it and also has some core values of where the client, the member, is as important as, mm -hmm. quote, unquote, my money? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great, great question, you know, because we have just inundated with all the stuff, you know, from any time we turn around, you know, the media, et cetera. But, but the reality is it's very refreshing, and I'll be honest with you, uh, so many of our clients, when you sit down and talk to them about what you're doing and why, they just feel it's like a breath of fresh air, and they're attracted to it. They want to be part of it, and they want to help you in any way they can, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, I've never had anybody say, my gosh, you know, I just can't stand your values. I don't agree with them, and therefore I really don't want anything to do with you guys. It's always been the opposite. They're like, it's, it's so refreshing. Now, the hard part, Ken, is as a leader, how do you make sure that you're not the only one talking about it, that it's not just splashed on your website, it's not just splashed on your uh, uh, corridors in your offices, but that your employees are living it day in and day out, and it's not a one-man show. How do you get all of your employees to get engaged in living your life that way? And I've found over the years is that the only way to do that is to to constantly repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, and repeat it uh, until it becomes a core part of your DNA, you know. And, and so we spend a lot of time talking about our values all the time, you know. Um, uh, for example, all of our employees, uh, once a month, the CEO to the janitor has to get together once a month, and we have a meeting where we talk about our values you know, because, for example, we'll take one of our key principles, you know, um, uh, let's take honesty. What does honesty mean in today's world? Because as you know, a lot of people define honestly differently, you know. But what does honesty really mean? And how do you live it out day in and day out? And because we do this again and again, our people really begin to see that, hey, this is a part of who we are. And if, if we're not in alignment with that, we're going to feel uncomfortable, and therefore, maybe this is not the place for me. We've rarely had that. In fact, we have more employees that are attracted to it and want to be part of it to a point where we really don't use outside recruiters to hire people. It's all been you know, word of mouth and relationships, et cetera. Well, that's great. One of the things that you really are outlining, Andrew, is that company culture, organizational culture, right. does not yep. happen by accident. It right. needs to be like fitness. I need to go to the gym every week because if I work right. out once this year, it's not going to sustain itself. Right. So yep. it has to be very intentional from you mm -hmm. down. Now, yeah. are you still the CEO of the bank? Yes. Yes, I am. Okay. So, so when you yeah. said meet with the CEO, that is meet with you. Yes, you know, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Just clarifying, yeah. Andrew, as yeah, part of it for right. those that are for listing. So that's, that's right. So I appreciate that. Now. I know that in your bio it talks about that your deals have aggregated to beyond $1.5 billion. So congratulations yes. on all that effort and Thank work. You. So we are yeah. uh, 
not, maybe not speaking to an individual who is a billionaire, but somebody who has managed over a billion dollars. But I want to digress mm-hmm. because, Andrew, you didn't start out this way. No. Is, no. You were in really um, object nearly poverty growing yes. up in India. So right. tell us about that, where you were living on a dirt floor mm-hmm. in India, and now here right. you are, a CEO who has managed and interacted with over a billion dollars of business. How, yeah. how did that happen? You know, uh, Ken, I, uh, you know, I know what it feels like to be hungry. I remember distinctly my mother telling me to sleep on my stomach rather than my back because she would say to me, you know, if you sleep on your stomach, you won't feel the hunger pains as you would if you slept on your back because obviously the pressure of the ground against your stomach helps alleviate some of that. But so I know what it's like to be hungry. I was actually born in India um, and, uh, you know, my early years, um, you know, my uncles, aunts, and my parents all lived together in a 14 by 14 room. There were 16 of us, children and parents. We stayed in that 14 by 14 room. We cooked there. We slept there, didn't have running water, Uh, we didn't have indoor plumbing, so if you wanted to go to the bathroom, you grabbed a can of water and walked out into the field and did what you had to do, you know. And, um, you know, we were, uh, but we learned very early how to be entrepreneurs because, you know, you talked about the dirt floor, and uh, if you sleep on a dirt floor, you get up with dust, you know, dust particles rise, et cetera, what we used to do is we used to actually follow cattle around and collect the cow dung and bring it back and actually smear the cow dung over our floor because when the cow dung dried, it locks in the dust. And, and so once it sealed it, you didn't have dust r- rising everywhere on the floor for you, you know. I'm not so sure, I- Andrew, that the average person listening to this would be excited about that option. <laughs> yes. But I can tell you, you know, yeah, because the first thing people say is, well, did it smell? And, and I can assure you, cow dung did not smell, you know, and it does not smell. And, but, but the nice thing was, Ken, you know, so we did that, okay? And so a lot of the families that were around us also wanted the cow dung to smear their floor so that to seal the dirt. And so we would actually sell, we would collect cow dung and then turn around and sell it to other families as a way of making money. So that spirit of entrepreneurialism and creativity was alive at a very young age for me. And, you know, when I look back over the years, it's kind of stayed with me. But anyhow, that's where I was raised, you know. But my dad was a military guy, and he was fortunate that he was uh, recruited by accident, actually, to, uh, to, to Zambia, Africa, and so he took a job there and relocated his family from India to Africa, and I spent about 11 years there, and when I was a 17-year-old fresh, I came as a 17-year-old freshman to a small Christian college here in Pennsylvania, USA, um, and um, they were kind enough to offer me financial aid and say, listen, get yourself here, and we'll get you educated. So I got here, and they educated me, and then I moved into the business field, and I've been fortunate that uh, you know, I've been involved with about a dozen banks, 
and um, had a very uh, rewarding and uh, uh, fulfilling career. Wow. Now, Andrew, how does one go from Zambia to the U.S.? Like, how did that even come about, that you knew that yeah. there was a college that was there? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have friends who grew up there. It's, right. it's not just an easy jump to go no, from Africa to North, Amer North America. So what's right. behind the story of that? Yeah, so um, the church that I attended, uh, we had a family that attended with us. They were our neighbors in Zambia, and he had at one time uh, taught chemistry at this college. And so he was the one who said, hey, you should really look at going to school there. And, and for some reason, I was intrigued by it. I was intrigued by the idea of coming to the U.S., and that's kind of what started that process. Wow. So it was a connection. Yes, and then yeah. when you think about resources to come to the mm -hmm. U.S., first of all, they mm -hmm. get there, and they, the college mm -hmm. says, we'll cover you. Right. How did you come up with the resources to even sort of launch yourself and or the courage? So let's talk yeah. about resources first and mindset second. Yeah. So, you know, so I grew up with this mindset that, uh, you know, that I had a responsibility not just to myself, but to my immediate family, my extended family. So I knew at a young age that, that I needed to make something out of myself in order to take care of this extended family. So when, when people talked about the opportunities in the United States, uh, and they talked about the United States as the land of opportunity. Um, and so when my neighbor started talking about it, it immediately um, you know, felt like this is where uh, it might make sense to do that. Uh, uh, what did help was that there was also a, a family friend that had actually come to Messiah College just before I did, about two years before I did. So we kind of knew this college was there, but the clincher was, you know, when they said that they would help me financially, they said, you know, get yourself over here, and once you get here, between scholarships and work study and uh, opportunities, we'll help you fund your education on your own, which, which was important, because without that, I wouldn't have been able to get here. Um, but you know, so once I got here, I, I kind of knew I wanted to be here, and, and then once, you know, I focused on the education, I knew that was the fundamental, and then things kind of took off from there. But, you know, but I want to digress here a little bit because, mm -hmm. you know, the book is called Our American Dream. And the reason I say that is, you know, um, you know if, if, if you are born in the United States, you are truly blessed because you are starting with a silver platter with an opportunity to do whatever you want with your life. Because, you know, when you look at it internationally, not every country or every continent can you just get up and say you want to do this and pursue it. Because in some countries, you've got to have the right last name, you've got to have the right pedigree, you have to have the right connections, etc. But in the United States, one of the beauty is that you can have an idea you can have the desire and you can pursue it and be successful at it, uh, and you're not going to be held back because you don't have the right last name or the right pedigree. You now, know, Andrew, it's a land of opportunity. 
Now, Andrew, that's a good point. It was interesting. It was just recently last week, we're having a discussion with somebody else mm-hmm. that they didn't believe that was true. And so mm-hmm. when you think about the millennial, and I'm a parent of millennials, so I can kind of yep. go down this stream, but, is what do you say to individuals who say I'm oppressed and you know they've done all this stuff to me and they don't take right. responsibility as you've right. outlined? Right. Yeah, no, and, and, and I'm a parent of millennials too. And that's what, uh, you know, I spoke to a group of entrepreneurs, this uh, young entrepreneurs this past week. And that's why I said to them, you know, listen, you know, the traditional model is you get out of high school, you go to college, et cetera. It doesn't have to be that way in, in, in the United States. You know, you can, you can use your creativity, et cetera. But what you need and what's really important is uh, the traits of having a boldness, a risk-taking attitude, a willingness to be persistent, a willingness to apply yourself, you know, uh, a willingness to be willing to, uh, to serve. Uh, and all of those traits kind of drive you. You know, when I think about my college days, days it isn't the, I didn't develop leadership skills uh, uh, in classroom environments. I, I, I learned it with relationships. I learned it with projects. I learned it with volunteering on behalf of the college. And all of those traits are the ones that I use as a leader today, you know, because nobody has a class on boldness, you know, and taking risks. Nobody has a class on persistence. But those are the traits that really make you successful in any field. And, and if you look around, those are the people that are successful who have those traits, you know, and those traits are outlined uh, in, my, in my book, The American Dream. Mm. And we're just going to jump into it in a minute. And if you think yeah. about a lot of our colleagues who are authors, I mean, mm-hmm. this idea of, of resilience, persistence, mm-hmm. courage it, is a common yeah. theme. I mean, everybody yes. talks about yes. it. If it's Sylvester Stallone yeah. or if it's somebody else along the way, they, said mm-hmm. they didn't have a, a silver spoon. So when right. you think about your characteristics to First of all, you come from you come from two different cultures, so India mm-hmm. and Zambia. So, right. how did you adjust to sort of this North American culture once you got yeah. came here? Is what, what were some of the issues that you faced that you overcame? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the ones that first comes to mind is you know when I came uh, here, um, uh, um, you know, my first day on the college campus in the cafeteria. Um, you know, everybody's eating with silverware. Well, I had never eaten with silverware because in India and Zambia, we always used our fingers, you know. Wow. And so yeah. sort of like, now, what do I do here? And what I did was, you know, I just mimicked what everybody else was doing. But the interesting thing was they didn't know that I didn't know how to use silverware, you know what I mean? And and so I overcame that, you know. Um, but you know, I think one of the things that's really helped me is I never looked at myself as I can't compete or I don't belong because I don't have the same experiences. You know, I always took the approach that, you know, that I can overcome these things. I just have to apply myself, be humble, you know, be persistent, um, uh, be focused and apply myself. And, uh, and so that's the, that's the attitude I took. But a lot of challenges in my early years, you know. I mean, I often think now, 
you know, we're at some business events now, and it's sort of like I look at the place setting, and I look at the silverware, the glasses, the plates, and, and I think back to this is a guy that, you know, grew up eating off a banana leaf with his fingers, you know, mm -hmm. and here I am in these dinners, and over the years I've learned to cope with how to adjust to this environment, you know. Well, it's interesting. You you slipped in a word, Andrew, and that was humble. Yeah. There, there's been a lot of, again, if we think about movies that are out there or Hollywood, mm -hmm. humility doesn't yep. strike me as one of the number one characteristics they're, they are modeling in a lot of these movies. Yeah. Why is, you know, how, do, how do you reconcile confidence, courage, and humility in one statement? Yeah, it's you know it's interesting because uh, in the, the in our American dream, uh, there's a whole chapter dedicated to humility. I'm a firm believer that you know uh, people want to follow authentic leaders that are humble, that that uh, are willing to invest in them, engage them, and in today's world, uh, leaders. And uh, all business leaders talk about the value of uh, the emotional IQ, the emotional intelligence. And, you know, so much of that is really a part of you if you can be authentic, if you can exhibit a humble, serving attitude, you know. Uh, people want to follow you. And that's been my trait is, you know, all these banks that I've been involved with, it's generally speaking the same group of leaders and employees uh, because they enjoy being around our leadership team and our culture, which, you know, one of the cornerstones of it is this whole concept of humility. You know, we, we readily acknowledge that we're human beings and we all have a certain level of ego, but how do we keep that check? Uh, how, do, how do we keep that ego in check and instead let our humble humor, uh, humble spirit kind of come to the forefront mm. instead of our ego coming to the forefront, you know, so. Well, Andrew, that's certainly refreshing. And, yeah. you know, I agree with you. And it's not always easy because we inherently can be self-centered human beings. That's right. Uh, but the reality is if I can focus on others and if I can be humble, then I'm actually going to engage and create a culture that's more open, more fluid, uh, right. more alive. So thank you for that's that. That's right. So, so let's, you know, we have about, um, you know, a few minutes left, but I want to make mm -hmm. sure we get into some of the content of the book. So mm -hmm. your book is called Our American Dream, but that can apply to any country that's listening. Right. Cultivating that's right. a life of success, joy, and purpose. So mm -hmm. what are some of the principles that you have in your book around having success in life beyond what yeah. you've talked about already? Yeah. So, you know, everybody immediately thinks when you talk about, an American dream or a life of success, everybody thinks it's about dollars and cents. Uh, it's about the financial aspect, and it isn't. You know, I've found in my career that, you know, having a life that is filled with purpose uh, allows it to be a fulfilling life. You know, um, I've found that, you know, as I said, you know, my personal life and my corporate life, the purpose has always been to impact people's lives positively. And when you do that and you put a smile on people's faces, you put, you put energy into their lives, you put energy into their extended life, it is so fulfilling that it's not the money. It's just 
that investment that really is so fulfilling to watch. So when you look at the book, there's a number of chapters in there. You know, one of those is you know, what's you know, living a life of legacy. You know, are you going through your work environment and your personal life uh, just day by day, or do you want to leave a lasting legacy? And is that legacy tied to your bank balance, or is that legacy tied to how many people's lives have you touched in a positive way? The importance of family. You know, uh, in today's environment, so many people just tend to forget that at the end of the day, a lot of things that you're doing are really, uh, uh, you know, on behalf of your family, you know, and how do we make sure that we don't forget that? Uh, just stopping for a second there, um, Andrew, when we're thinking about it, I mean, the stats now, unfortunately, for our young people, mm-hmm. and both being fathers of young people, we'll call them young right. people, they're under 30, yeah. is they've never been more alone or felt more lonely and more depression than mm-hmm. ever before. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you grew up in a 14 by 14 room with 16 people in it. Mm-hmm. How right. do I, how do you suggest to those of us that are out sort of in life today mm-hmm. to overcome some of these things where, you know, you're saying let's build community and family, yet most people are, are lonely and, and disconnected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you know, the chapters on, you know, purpose and service come into play because we, we have to be intentional about this. You know, let's face it, you know, you know the media isn't touting serving others as a way to fulfilling uh, a fulfilling life and a life that is um, uh, purposeful, you know. And so it's we have to make sure that we're constantly focused on that and realize that you know there is something about serving others that comes back to you in multiple uh, ways um, uh, in terms of contentment and the focus, etc. But on top of that. When you live a life of purpose, um, you know, and purpose means, you know, when, when you're constantly focused on others, you know, and showing a sense of humility, et cetera, right now you're absolutely right. You know, there are a lot of, um, you know, my children and, and, and their peers that are feeling a loneliness, et cetera, and everybody is getting into the spiral of it's me, 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 because we're forgetting the importance of the community, the importance of family, et cetera. So, I would, I'll give you one example. You know, part of the reason is that we're all kind of glued to our handheld device. You know, we're playing games on it. We're constantly looking at the news, etc. And in my book, I talked about you know the, uh, uh, where that has had such a negative impact, and so we need to find a discipline on how to deal with that. And I talk about this concept of, for example, I love sports. You know but I dedicate about a half an hour a day to my handheld device to look at sports news and stories. Because, and that's all I limit it to. Because I know if I didn't limit it, I'd spend hours on that, but those hours would be taking me away from family and community and relationships and people and what my true purpose is to impact people's lives. You know, when I'm 15 years old, how do I get my teenager to stop doing that? <laughs> you know, and uh, very, very good question, you know, especially because they're being bombarded from everywhere that that's the way to go. And um, I think one of those is can, first of all, us displaying those disciplines, you know, 
as I said, I limit myself to looking at sports news half hour a day because I know if I didn't do that, I'd spend hours and hours looking at sports news and stories, and that would take me away from building relationships, investing in others, you know, and the living a purposeful life by creating meaning for others. And so that's my discipline. We just have to encourage our kids where we can to show them that some of these things are going to catch up with them in the long run, you know, and, and that ultimately what is going to matter in their lives in the long run is really family, relationships, the communities they're in, uh, and so encouraging them to uh, focus on that. And I'm not saying there's going to be an immediate change, but there will come a time when they'll gravitate towards that, and, and my hope is that they'll pick up tidbits from you know, my book and other places that really brings back their priority to what's important. Well, it's interesting. The, the research shows, Andrew, that the more time I spend on my device, especially as a young person, the more mm-hmm. depressed and yeah. the, the lower I get. So That's as right. we know this research is out there, at least as leaders, parents, individuals that are mentoring others, mm-hmm. and hey, I can get addicted to it too. That's why right. it's the dop- right. dopamine rush, right? It's right, right up there with cocaine and sugar. So, right, you know. so we, we know that's there. Now, thank you for that, Andrew. Now, when we only have a few minutes left. So before I kind of get into the last segment of this show, how do they find out about you and about your bank and also about your book and where can they get it? Sure. The, so the book is uh, uh, out on Amazon. So you can go on Amazon and get it. Uh, you can get an electronic version or a hard copy um, uh, by going to Amazon. And then I am on LinkedIn and uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram, so you can follow me uh, there. Uh, but the best place to start is to just go on Amazon and get an electronic version um, and, and kind of start from there, okay? So for those of you listening, the name of the book, again, is Our American Dream, Cultivating a Life of Success, Joy, and Purpose. And it's Andrew Samuel, so uh, as it sounds, and linked bank is l-i-n-k so it's not linkedin bank it's linkedbank.com so that's another uh, possibility for individuals to be able to connect with you and learn about what you're doing there so when we're wrapping up sort of the last part of our show andrew what would be outside of what you've shared already what are some um, sort of final thoughts of wisdom insights of what as a listener i need to consider or not necessarily need but could consider to have more joy and have more peace and have more success in my life. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the one thing I'd want to leave everybody with, you know, just try focusing on serving others. Try focusing on impacting people's lives positively, and you'll be amazed at the, at the, the, the energy and, and the fulfillment and the, and the feeling of, uh, contribution that it gives to you, and, and just give it a chance. You know, uh, um, our society is asking us to, s- to focus on ourselves, but just try serving and focusing on others, and it's amazing uh, what the impact will be, but what you get back in terms of joy and fulfillment. Well, Andrew, thank you for taking the time and hanging out with us today. Sure. Absolutely, can. Uh, Well, listeners, you've been listening to Andrew Samuel, author of Our American Dream, Cultivating a Life of Success, Joy, 
and purpose. And my encouragement, you know, as you as we wrap up this episode, is where can you give? Where can you get outside of yourself? All the research is clear is you actually your endorphins in your system improve increase on the positive note when you give to other people you there was a saying it's better to give than to receive well there's actual science behind that so take andrew's thoughts and apply that in your life so that you can make a difference and have a legacy if you like what we're doing please share pass it on let other people know thank you for listening to secrets of success podcast i'm your host dr ken keys Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.